being on your podcast has been such a joy. You're a tremendous hostess. Thank you so much. <laughs> you have truly achieved a lot. <laughs> so I think you're doing pretty good with finding your way. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Brittany. My club was Laughs Unlimited, and we presented young comics, some famous, some not so famous, and uh, for TV. So that was a lot of fun for me to produce television shows. And some of the people that graced my stage were Dana Carvey, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Gary Shandling, Paula Poundstone, and many, many more. Have you worked with Tom Hanks before? Tom Hanks, uh, you may have heard the name. He's a, a somewhat famous actor. You've heard of Tom Hanks, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that from um, <laughs> Forrest Gump? Why do you have a picture of Gary Shandling and Bob Saggy in a dress? <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the story is this. So... You're up, you're ready, and you're listening to the Brittany Mac Podcast. Everyone has a story. Applying them to inspire the world weekly on Motivation Mondays. Here's your host, Brittany Mack. Hello, Mr. Scott Edwards. How are you today? Oh, wow, Brittany, I'm so excited. I'm here on the Brittany Mac podcast. Everybody, this is Scott Edwards from the world of stand-up comedy. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, sit down. <laughs> really, it's not that big a deal. Sit down. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm already laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to have fun with life, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> You are so incredibly funny. Brittany, I owned a chain of comedy clubs called Laughs Unlimited in Northern California from 1980 to 2001. The clubs are still going, but I no longer own them. I moved on to other adventures. But for 21 years, I had a chance to work in stand-up comedy. And some of the people that graced my stage were Dana Carvey, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Gary Shandling, Paula Poundstone, and many, many more. Yes, that's, that's amazing. Have you worked with Tom Hanks before? Tom Hanks, uh, you may have heard the name. He's a, a somewhat famous actor. You've heard of Tom Hanks, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that from um, <laughs> Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump and about 100 other movies. But what a lot of people don't remember is his very first acting job was a TV show called Bosom Buddies back in 1980. And when he was just a young actor, my good friend Bob Saget asked me if I could have Tom up to the club. Tom Hanks came up to my club and worked my stage for a whole week for free because he was getting ready to do a little stand-up set on the TV show Bosom Buddies. Now, Bob Saget wrote material for him, and then I kind of showed Tom how to use the mic and where to look the mechanics of being a comic and that mm -hmm. set that he worked on at my club appeared on the TV show bosom buddies about 10 days later. And of course, Tom Hanks wasn't Tom Hanks at the time, but it was still exciting to work with him and to see our work on TV. Yes. That's absolutely amazing. Is that the most famous person you've worked with? Cause I know you've worked well, with many famous people. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's the most famous. He's certainly uh, one of the, top five right now, but I also had a chance to have uh, 
Graham Chapman from Monty Python on my stage with any of your older uh, audience would know uh, Monty Python and Graham Chapman's name. Uh, Cheech and Chong, the very funny Tommy Chong worked my stage twice. Uh, Robin Williams worked my stage twice. Uh, and many, many others. Uh, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, they all got their start at my club. Wow, that's, that's truly amazing. So why do you have a picture of Gary Shandling and Bob Saget in a dress? <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the story is this. So uh, I had a club in the tourist area of Sacramento called Old Sacramento. It's got uh, wooden sidewalks and cobblestone streets. It's from the 18th century. The buildings are all original. And... Um, that's where my club was. And right around the corner from my club was one of those touristy photo places. And I guess Gary Shandling was feeling a little bored before a show. And he went over to that place and got dressed up in a hoop dress and a hat, the whole shebang, had a picture taken, brought it back to the club and autographed it to me and said, here's a little gift. Thanks for having me at laughs unlimited. So I was so excited and proud. I put that right up on the wall with all the other eight by tens of the comics that had worked my club. And about two weeks later, Bob Saget was working the club. He saw this picture of Gary Shandling and he didn't want to be outdone. So he went around to the photo place and he really did it big. He had the big hoop dress. He had a fan, he had gloves on a big Sunday kind of hat and kind of looked like an old 1800 school marm. And Bob Saget had that picture uh, taken, autographed it to me, and I put up side-by-side side with Gary's picture up on the wall in the comedy club. But what was so great was that those two guys who helped me get started in comedy and vice versa, I helped them get started, uh, were nice enough to offer me those gifts, and they are definitely one and onlys. Wow. <laughs> Do you have any more uh, funny stories of any of the people that were at the comedy clubs? Well, there's always stories. Come on, Brittany. <laughs> that's, that's what a podcast is all about, right? Right. We have is. some amazing stories. In fact, if you want to hear a lot of great interviews and stories, check out my podcast, Stand Up Comedy. You're hosting MC. But one of those stories is, uh, speaking of Gary Shandling, who everybody knows from the Gary Shandling Show and the Larry Sanders Show, and he did about 50 movies. Well, when he was just getting started in 1980, his very first road gig out of his hometown of Phoenix, Arizona, was my club, Laughs Unlimited. He worked for me for a whole week for $150. Now, this was long before he was rich and famous, but it was really an important part of his early career. Well, several months later, he was already headlining. He was that funny. It was a Wednesday night, and there was only maybe about 18 people in the audience. And about halfway through his set, one of the guys got up to go to the men's room. And Gary stopped and goes, wow, that's way too high a percentage of the audience. Come with me. And he took the other 17 men and women into the men's room, stood right behind the guy trying to do his business at the urinal, and then went on with his act like nothing had happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this guy was scared to death. He's trying to do his business at the urinal. Larry, uh, Gary's standing right behind him doing material. And uh, let's know this, everybody. Those 17 people made sure he washed his hands. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my god, I am really. <laughs> That's funny. That's truly funny. So yeah, um, no, that we had a lot of great adventures, uh, Brittany, and and that was just one of many many stories. But uh, uh, Gary was a great guy. Um, which unique comedy act really showcased the history and breadth of comedy? Well, um, you know, what's interesting about owning a comedy club, you're, you're, I'm a producer. It's like theater. I bring in a different show each and every week. So over 20 years, I literally had thousands of comics uh, grace my stage. But there's a great breadth of entertainment quality. So you got Jay Leno and Jerry Seinfeld that do – uh, observational comedy and, and what's called a monologue with the audience. But we also had Emo Phillips and Paula Poundstone who were a little more esoteric and would do really bizarre things. We had very talented comic magicians, amazing Jonathan who had his own show in Vegas for over 15 years, uh, was a very high energy uh, comic magician that did really bizarre stuff. Larry Wilson who went on to fame in the um, corporate world. Uh, so that's comedy magic. We had uh, famous ventriloquists like Willie Tyler and Lester. We had uh, famous jugglers like Fred Anderson out of San Francisco. He still works Pier 49, 39, Pier 39. And, um, but everything in between, you know, as I mentioned, Tommy Chong came through. We also had uh, Soupy Sales, Pat Paulson, for those that are over 50 out there. And um, for the younger comics, we had uh, a lot of great young talent that went on to uh, comedy success. Uh, many, many that you probably wouldn't recognize their names, but they did really well. Uh, for example, um, uh, Dave Collier, as I mentioned, from Full House. Um, Dana Carvey, who was uh, famous on Saturday Night Live in several movies, uh, got their start at my mm -hmm. club. But all, uh, And a lot of people don't know Dana Carvey was a comic musician, did a lot of music, like Chopping Broccoli and uh, others. But uh, I was trying to think just recently on the TV show Big Bang Theory, uh, one of the regular side characters was Brian Posehn. He played the geologist on the show. Well, Brian Posehn got his start at my club in the 90s, and he's now doing a lot of television. So... There's really a lot of different uh, types of comedy, and then those that take comedy and become actors. Yeah, uh-huh. So, um, speaking of television, so uh, have you produced for TV? Yeah, I actually, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I produced uh, a one-hour special for the Fox Network featuring terrific stand-up comics like Bob Saget. Mm -hmm. I also did two short TV series, about 18 episodes each, one for ABC and one for CBS. And those were um, called Live at Laughs. My club was Laughs Unlimited. And we presented young comics, some famous, some not so famous, and uh, for TV. So that was a lot of fun for me to produce television shows. That's amazing. I know I'm interested in TV. So I, I love hearing about anything dealing with TV and film. So, yeah, I'm very interested in that. <laughs> So well, what's interesting, yeah, what's interesting, Brittany, is that I was the host and MC of my shows. So I was on stage every night for over 21 years. Mm -hmm. But what I really enjoyed was the production side of television. So as a producer director, I not only booked the talent for the shows, 
but I dictated uh, as the producer and director what actually made it on TV. And I will tell you that even though you're not in front of the camera, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. I do like production sets. I've been on production sets before because I worked on um, a few movies and um, shows. So yeah, I can I can imagine um, working on a production set in the way that you have. I'm also interested in well, that too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here, Brittany Mack, future <laughs> TV star. <laughs> Let's put it into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so you've also worked um, on stage and concerts and things like that. Does that differ much from the working with TV? Well, yeah, TV production is is a whole different beast. But uh, when you're doing live comedy shows every night at a comedy club, when you convert to doing a concert, you're just making it way bigger. So I did uh, probably six or eight large form concerts. Normally I use the convention center theater, which would hold over 2000 people. Uh, we sold out shows with Yakov Smirnoff, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno. Um, in fact, those shows, Dana Carvey and, uh, the, um, uh, a couple other acts were, were opening acts. They, they were so new, but my biggest, I did an outdoor concert uh, called Laughs in the Park, and we had over uh, 12,000 people. And uh, that was a free comedy show for the people of Sacramento, sponsored by the local newspaper and the local police department. And that was a really fun experience, having that many people listen to comedy. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really amazing experience, for sure. So you like going into the community and doing things like that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, 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 I mean, I'm an older guy, Brittany, so I've had a chance to do a lot of different things Mm -hmm. at different times. I always call it my next adventure. That's okay. Yeah. You, you had, you've had, you know, over 21 years of, (laughs) of doing a lot. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 21 years in the comedy business, but I'm an entrepreneur. I've had other businesses. I, at age 17, I started a small construction company uh, in the late uh, 70s, I had a portable disco company. Yes, that's Ooh. right, disco when it was popular. Um, but popular then after again. that, I. It's, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so funny how things are cyclical. Well, but I, I really, I think the point, Brittany, is you want to enjoy life and not be afraid to take risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I owned a, a couple restaurants, a couple art galleries, I even owned a submarine. Wow. You know, I've never yeah, been in a submarine a, I, and I love boats. I truly do. But I would love to go in a submarine one day. That is something on my bucket well, list. Well, it, <laughs> it is so cool. It was a big tourist submarine. I launched it in Monterey, California. And Brittany, it was so much fun, but I lost my ass. <laughs> you say you what? It, tur- it turned out to be a bad financial risk. It didn't work in Monterey. The water was too cold. We have a problem with the algae bloom and people couldn't see stuff. So we ended up selling the boat to the Wrigley Gum family. It now operates out of Catalina Island in Southern California. Mm. But I, my point of telling the story, Brittany, is that sometimes you lose money on things. Sometimes things don't work. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try them. Right. Yeah. It's ups and downs, risk, trials. 
So, yeah, and I know you've um, learned a lot about that throughout your, your career, especially as an entrepreneur. So what is your advice when someone is interested in entrepreneurship? What is your advice about those ups and downs in their career? Well, I think the secret to being a successful entrepreneur, a couple of things I just mentioned, don't be afraid to take risks, uh, invest in yourself. But uh, I think the key two points that I want to share with your listeners, Brittany, and thanks so much for having me on your podcast, is that you have to have a passion for what you're doing. And that doesn't mean that it's the most important thing in your life, but it's something that you would love to do and are excited about doing and having that passion really helps you. The other is there's no reason to re sorry, there's no reason to re uh, invent the wheel. So if there's an industry you want to go into, I'll use a restaurant as an example. Don't just go out and open a restaurant and lose your ass. Go talk to people in the restaurant business, talk to the staff, talk to the managers, talk to the owners. They all will tell you, what they think of the industry, and you learn from that, glean information, and then you can turn around and then do it your way. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a restaurant or a, an insurance agency or a car sales lot, whatever it might be, talk to people that do it. For example, when I started my very first construction company, I was only 17. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no money. And I wanted to paint lines in parking lots. It's called striping. And so I went to big companies that were already doing this. And I asked them what they charged, how they got their business. And people love talking about themselves. And I was able to learn so much that when I turned around and started my own company, A&A Restripe, it turned into a big success. In fact, I did that at age 17, way back in the 70s. And that company is still operating today. Wow, that's amazing. It's, it's a long haul. I mean, it's challenging to be an entrepreneur. There's good times and bad times. And uh, the secret to a quality life is uh, surviving all those and enjoying all those, right? Yes. The highs and the lows. Because mm -hmm. when you're high, you're, of course, having fun. But when you make a mistake, as long as you learn from it and move on, you're good. Right. I truly believe that. <laughs> so you also had a beach shack in Hawaii. Tell us about that. Oh, I don't know. Should we talk about that, Brittany? I, it was, uh, <laughs> I was single. I was in my mid-20s, and I had an opportunity to uh, purchase a beach shack at the King Kamehameha Hotel on Kona, Hawaii. And I got to tell you, when you're a young single male, sorry, um, <laughs> Working a beach shack where you have all these uh, well-shaped young women on the beach laying out to get some sun, and I'm selling them sunscreen and, and renting them boogie boards and kayaks, uh, that was a lot of fun. This sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Big Island of Hawaii is a beautiful place, and to be a part of the business, but uh, again, I was being a little selfish at the time. It gave me an opportunity to uh, interact with uh, very beautiful semi-clad women. And uh, it was a, a great way to spend uh, my early life. I had that for five years. Wow, five years. That's, that's amazing, though. Five years of what you just said, a beach shack in Hawaii. Man, this sounds like a yeah, good time. 
it was, it was a lot of fun. It cost me some money and you know, it, it's, uh, um, not easy owning a business, especially in Hawaii. But, um, I think I broke even maybe made a couple bucks, but it was really, I did it because, uh, it was my next adventure and it was fun. And I've had many, many businesses, but the key for me is doing something that I enjoy, whether it's customer service or selling a product, and I make sure I have fun doing it. Awesome. So tell us about the art galleries that you've owned. Well, uh, it's interesting that you asked, Brittany. Mm -hmm. So back in the 80s, I was introduced to an art form called animation. And back in those days, animation cells, which are the pictures at 24 per second that are made to put together a cartoon, whether it's Warner Brothers or Disney. And I really got into uh, the art form and collecting these really one-of-a-kind original cells from pictures like uh, Mary Poppins and uh, Snow White and Warner Brothers like uh, uh, Wile E. Coyote. And I got so involved in it. Again, I had a passion for it that I wrote a book on it called Cell Magic, The Art of Collecting Animation. And I opened one of the few, there was only a few in the whole country, art galleries that specifically showcased animation art. I had some early Mickey Mouse pieces. I had a lot of Warner Brothers. Um, it, it was really fun to be a part of that. And then writing the book gave me the opportunity to visit Disney Studios where I met Dave Smith the archivist at the time, and he gave me a private tour of the Disney archives, and I had a chance to see a lot of old uh, Disney relics, and I actually held a cell from the very first animated sound cartoon, Steamboat Willie, starring Mickey Mouse. You've had a, an amazing career, like, over these years. Like, I've, I can just imagine all of the experiences through these amazing things that you've got and the stories that have accumulated even I want to go into the restaurant business real quick before I ask um some more of my questions so with your restaurant business what kind of food do you gear towards well Brittany so I was ha I had the comedy club chain I was being very successful I had a few fun investments like the submarine and the beach shack but I wanted to build up my business uh community in old Sacramento so I opened uh two restaurants. One was called the Art of Pasta, and it was a family um, joint for pasta. But the reason I opened it is at a beautiful courtyard, and I produced live jazz music six nights a week. And so people could come out, have a nice meal, have a cocktail, and listen to some live jazz music. And that was so much fun in the mid-80s uh, and into the 90s. It was tremendous. And then uh, I'm a longtime barbecue king, and I created my own barbecue sauce, and people were always saying how good it was. So in late 80s, I opened up a restaurant called Sticky Fingers, and we served barbecued ribs and chicken using my special barbecue sauce. And for that, we had a theme around Dixieland music. We had... Uh, uh, actors do uh, gunfights out in the street in front of the restaurant. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We had live Dixieland music uh, five days a week. And then we did the uh, shootouts on the weekend. And it was a tourist location. 
and we did uh, terrific barbecue uh, ribs and chicken. Sticky Fingers, not a bad name, huh? Oh, not at all. Sticky Fingers sound like I just want to dig my fingers in some food and eat right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the idea. But uh, uh, both of these restaurants uh, were successful. I ended up selling them, and, and other people took them on into different directions. But it was uh, uh, it's fun to own a restaurant. It's not a great business choice. Uh, the problem with a restaurant is the uh, busier you are, the higher your costs go up, food costs go up, labor costs go up. So there's always a narrow margin of profit, but they are a lot of fun. Yeah, I've I've heard different things like that, but that does sound fun, though. It truly does. So do you still have the barbecue sauce or do you sell that, too? No, no, no. It's just my own recipe. It's not that big a deal. It was just fun to do in a restaurant. Um, now only the people that visit my pool parties get to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, I'm from Memphis, so Memphis people loves barbecue. Like, Memphis is known oh, for Oh, yeah, you guys have some great restaurants down there. <laughs> I know they wanted me to ask about the barbecue, so <laughs> I had to throw that back in there to be sure if they could buy it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but it's just for family and friends these days, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, selling it through the restaurant Sticky Fingers. But uh, next time we get together, Brittany, I'll make sure you get a, a nice rack of ribs. I would definitely love that because I do love me some barbecue. <laughs> I try not to eat it too much, but I do love it, though. Yeah, right, right. No, I get it. <laughs> so why were you so diverse in the type of businesses that you've owned? Well, you know, uh, that's a great question. And, and uh it drives my bride crazy that I, I do that. But for me, um, once I'm doing something, even when I'm having a ton of fun, like the comedy business, after 21 years, I was ready for my next adventure. And uh, much like the earlier businesses, you reach a point where you're ready to move on to the next step. So, you know, the construction business was great when I was 17 but it wasn't something I wanted to spend my whole life doing. I wanted to move on to other things. And I think the uh, chain of comedy clubs was my uh, biggest, longest run in a single industry. But I like going to different industries. In fact, I ended up owning an insurance brokerage and not because I have some love for insurance, but I love customer service and helping people. And for the last 15 years, I was able to help my customers and clients solve their problems and deal with the tragedies in their life by offering terrific insurance service. So it's not always the glamorous stuff like show business uh, or being in a, you know, it's sometimes the hard work of a construction company or insurance sales. I was a fleet director for a Ford store selling trucks for a while. And what got to answer your question, I get, bored and want to move on to the next thing, but I want to do something that makes a difference. And that means offering good customer service and helping people. And there's different ways to do that. And I, that's what I've uh, always my goal to do. I, I truly do understand that. I like to have diversity too, because yeah, like, you know, I, I'm young and I just started my career around 19 years old. But, you know, I do like to do several things at a time sometimes because of that, because I just I'm curious and I just want to see what's, what else is out there. Well, <laughs> and, and 
it's really important. And I, you know, I don't know how old everybody is that listens to your show, but whether you're in your twenties, thirties, or already in your fifties, you want to make sure that you're doing something that makes a difference that, that you have a passion about and offer something that is valuable because that's what you get paid for. Mm -hmm. And you getting paid is how you pay for your, to support your family and pay for your food and stuff. So it is kind of a give and take. I mean, I'm basically selfish, Brittany, because I did the comedy shows. I sold the trucks. I sold the insurance because I wanted to give something and, and offer something. But I always made sure I got paid for it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I had, you know, I there was a reason why I was doing it that was basically to uh, uh, keep my income you know, have fun, but also have a, a reasonable income. To be honest, I made a lot more money uh, in uh, truck sales and insurance than ever made in comedy, but comedy was a lot of fun. So it, it, there's always a little bit of a balance, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, it's just true. And when you go through life, you just want to uh, make sure you're having fun and balance it. Uh, and it's important to balance family in there as well. So uh, it, it, it could be quite a juggling act. So um, what were the highs and lows of being self-employed? So to answer your question, Brittany, and that's a great question. Thank you uh, for asking it. I've had a lot of success. There was times I was very wealthy. Uh, I had big wads of money in my pocket. I could treat my friends. Uh, I always had money for whatever I wanted to do, like buy a submarine or a beach shack in Hawaii. But there was also the financial hardships. I've been bankrupt twice. Um, I, there's a lot of my life where I was struggling financially that uh, were all part of the process. In fact, uh, sometimes when you go into a business as an entrepreneur, you have to actually plan for the fact that you're going to fail at first or that it's going to take time to ramp up and you want to be prepared for that. And if you're married, you have to make sure they're prepared for that. I went through one of my adventures. I was uh, married to my bride. And I said, look, I'm going to leave this business where I'm making plenty of cash, but I want to start my own business. And we're going to really suffer financially for probably two years. And we went back and forth, but we made the decision together to take that risk, to make that change and to do that suffering because on the end of it, it, we came out better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right, right. I mean, it, it, you sometimes have to take a risk, uh, do a sacrifice, but it pays off in the long run if you do it right. Yeah, so I know you, you've, uh, like you said, you've been able to um, buy a submarine and a, a beach shack. So what have been other great things that you've been able to experience after accumulating well, so much success. I, yeah, I think what you're saying, Brittany, is when you get a chance to work with Robin Williams or uh, uh, Bob Saget and some of these people, Jerry Seinfeld, um, Ray Romano on stage, and you're, you're making money, you, you have successful businesses. So I started with one comedy club. So one of my adventures was to grow that into a chain. I ended up with three comedy clubs. And I could offer more work to the comics and offer more comedy to my community. But the other advantage of actually making money is to explore and try 
things that maybe you wouldn't normally be able to do, like open a restaurant or an art gallery, or as you mentioned, buy a submarine. I mean, a submarine, we're talking, you know, a million dollars. Buying a beach shack and operating it for five years, that takes money. So the successful part of being an entrepreneur opens up the doors to other opportunities and you just hope that you can build and grow and have fun in the same time. But there's plenty of times in an entrepreneur's life where you don't have any money and you're, you're betting on yourself and you're just working hard to put food on the table and you have to understand and expect that that's all part of the life of being an entrepreneur is that the highs are high, but the lows can be low and you just have to have the grit and fortitude to get through it. Yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> I truly do because I do study a lot of entrepreneurs and I definitely have learned that. Right. Well, Brittany, you're one yourself. I mean, the Brittany Mac <laughs> podcast is a great opportunity where you're sharing with people and giving back to your listeners and hopefully they support you. And, you know, that's in itself like a small business and hopefully you're having fun with it. So you're already a winner. Yes. And I get to meet people like you. So, and do what I love. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of balance with it. <laughs> exactly. And, and you, you want to, uh, enjoy it while you can, right. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, people, you know, reach a certain level of success. And it doesn't mean mean financial or anything, just happiness and what you're doing. And they're not uh, enjoying it. So when you do reach a certain level of uh, happiness or success, take a time, you know, take the time to smell the roses, as they say, and mm-hmm. enjoy what you're doing. And listening to the Brittany Mac podcast, I mean, that's enjoyable, right? Yes. <laughs> and you get to learn it too. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, you're giving back, and that's so important. Yeah, I re- I truly appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, definitely. Do you have any recommendations for anybody that wants to start a business? To start a business? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's 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 always lots of advice, but uh, um, we should probably save that for a, a separate uh, training course. But. Uh, my advice is, as I mentioned earlier, make sure you have a passion for what you want to do. Make sure you understand the risk. And then, as I made it clear earlier, research uh, what you want to do and talk to the people that are already doing it. And those will give you a, a, a great heads up on a possible future. And then, as they say in, in real estate, it's all location, location, location. So if you are going to do a brick and mortar like a restaurant or an art gallery, make sure you uh, put it in the right spot, right? Right. Yeah, and you need to know if you need to do a brick and mortar or if if you need to do something that's online. There's a lot that goes into that, like you said. (laughs) Yeah, there are two different challenges. I did mostly brick and mortar businesses when I was younger, but now uh, that I'm older and technology has changed, as you know, Brittany, I've got uh, three different podcasts. I have a new uh, podcast network. If anybody likes stand-up comedy, go visit www.standupcomedypodcastnetwork.com. That's standupcomedypodcastnetwork.com. And you'll find 18 different podcasts by stand-up comics. You'll find 
uh, videos of famous people like uh, Amazing Jonathan and Bob Saget and Dave Collier. Um, and there's uh, blogs and jokes of the day, all kinds of fun stuff. Home movies made by comics. So that's always fun, too. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's still something I'm passionate about. It's still a business, but you do it because it's fun. And uh, trying to promote and build that up in uh, the online world, in the Internet world, is different than a brick and mortar. But I, I'm finding my way. You have truly achieved a lot. <laughs> so I think you're doing pretty good with finding your way. Oh, well, thank you, Brittany. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you just have to uh, be dedicated and uh, persistent and consistent. As you know, Brittany, in podcasting, it's all about being persistent and consistent. And you're doing a great job. <laughs> yes, she is. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you thank the you. audience. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the audience is going crazy, Brittany. You're doing so well with your podcast. Thank you so much for letting me be a guest on here. I am truly like honored to have you here. It was a pleasure having you. You did an amazing job. So if you ever want to come back, just let me know. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to do that. And, and do you mind if I plug my podcast? Yeah, plug everything you want to plug. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in the Brittany Mac podcast show listener base you need to know that if you want to listen to a little bit of stand-up comedy or hear a great interview with a professional entertainer go to stand-up comedy your host and mc that's the name of the podcast stand-up comedy your host and mc it's available on apple spotify and if you just like short form like five minute comedy bites i have another podcast called comedy appetizers so check those both out and I already mentioned the network site. So, Brittany, thanks so much for letting me share that with your listeners. And I hope that they get a chance to check it out, listen and share. And being on your podcast has been such a joy. You're a tremendous hostess. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I hope you have a great day. Like I said, I can't wait to work with you again in the future, maybe on your podcast or my podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, it was an honor. Well, that's great. And uh, like I said, uh, getting a chance to uh, share some of the stories and share a little advice, uh, maybe it helps somebody. But at the very least, I got a chance to uh, meet and work with the beautiful Brittany Mack. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm being a little goofy. <laughs> yes, that's why we love comedians. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have fun, right? Right. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany.